Think about the last time you needed to put your head down and power through your commute. Or the last time your heart felt like it was ripping open and you needed somewhere to turn. Or when you were so full of joy you felt like dancing. What did you turn to? Odds are, at least a few of you out there are thinking about music. What is it about music that, at our highest highs or at our lowest lows, gives us such a universal outlet to feel how we're feeling? There's so much in the world, especially if you've poked your head outside for about two seconds any time in the past couple years, that seeks to tear us down and divide us. But music? Regardless of your skill set, your experiences, whatever, somehow music is consistently something that makes us feel less alone. We get so concerned with how we present ourselves, whether it's in our Instagram feeds, or the way we dress, or every other little detail of how we do or do not put ourselves together every morning, that it's easy to forget that a very innate human trait isn't to be perfect. It's to be messy. Life is full of frustration and pain and invalidation and self-doubt, but it's full of beauty and softness and inspiration and bravery, too. It's, in part, about learning to take the good stuff with the bad stuff, and accepting that there's no one be-all, end-all answer to making your way through life. All there is to it is putting one foot in front of the other, and continuing to hope, in spite of whatever challenges you walk into by accident or by design, to find something good on the other side. And if you seek it out to create some of the good yourself, and share it with other people, well, let me tell you, it somehow makes it a hell of a lot easier to find it in other people. Not to mention, it makes it a lot less lonely. So let's embrace the messy. I'm Lauren Gardner, and this is Sad Girl Jams. The point of this podcast is to bring people together and build up a stronger chorus of voices, aim to validate and elevate each other through the lens of music as a force for interconnectedness. A few years back, Lana Del Rey's album Ultraviolence came out, and around the time of its release, my good friends Naz and I hopped in my car and took a road trip up to Boise to visit another friend of mine. It's absolutely worth noting here that a pivotal point in the development of my and Sanaz's friendship was when I spotted her wearing a Rilo Kylie t-shirt in an after-school acting program when we were probably around 16 years old. This gave rise to pulling each other aside for a hushed, fervent conversation between scenes of, oh my god, you're the only person I know who also loves Rilo Kylie. Do you have a favorite album? What's your favorite song? Did you get to see them before the band broke up? Isn't Jenny Lewis the most fucking magnificent person you've ever heard of? And doesn't she deserve the entire world? Before we knew it, we were best friends. And three years ago, we actually got to see Jenny Lewis perform her album Rabbit for Coat together at a church in Koreatown. But that's another story for another time. Anyway, on this road trip, we were leaving a stop at this ghost town in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and Sanaz asked me if I'd heard Lana Del Rey's new album yet. I hadn't, so Sanaz put it on as we continued across the desert. Now, you can go right ahead and reflect on whatever emotions you're having about me talking about Lana Del Rey right now on your own, but let me tell you, if you haven't listened to Ultraviolence while on a road trip through the desert with one of your best friends, you might want to consider adding that to your to-do list, because there's something really magical and haunting about Lana's sweeping vocals and old Hollywood charm echoing through a sandy wasteland. As we listened, we talked about this incredible Pitchfork article I'd read recently called Pretty When You Cry, reviewing Lana's album. 
Honestly, I think that's really where the idea for this podcast began. We knew that Jenny Lewis and Lana Del Rey, while at the surface seemingly so different, occupied similar shaped spaces in our hearts, though we hadn't really identified where what their commonalities were till then, when this article drew them out. We realized that what made us love their music and love talking about it together was that their songs were spaces that gave us innate permission to think and talk about how we felt. And within that, it helped us feel like there was someone out there who got it, who made each of us feel a little more understood. The article itself, in my eyes at least, remains a masterpiece. The subhead alone begins by saying, in a culture that expects women to be happy, shiny objects, sadness can become its own form of defiance. Author Lindsay Zolach, so sorry if I butchered your name, begins the piece by recounting a one in a million tale that I promise you every single woman in this universe and probably the next one has experienced. That of a man telling her to smile. You can feel her frustration when she writes, too many people expect women to be warmly smiling Stepford wives emanating sunbeams from their every pore. If you're not happy, at least learn how to fake it. Anyway, from there, Zolech discusses how this expectation of fake happy carries on in music as well, waxing mildly nostalgic about how her youth, parallel to mine and Sinaz's, was filled predominantly with sad boys owning the emo hemisphere. Anywhere from Weezer to Taking Back Sunday, from Dashboard Confessional to Death Cab for Cutie, from Fall Out Boy to Panic at the Disco. All dudes. Not to say that these acts didn't play a huge part in the soundtracks of our upbringing, but come on, man, seriously? Lots of guys up there. So when Zoledge recounts her own history of discovering Rilo Kiley's album, The Execution of All Things, at age 15, reading that line made me stop dead in my computer scroll. Though the band was fronted by two former child stars who were married for most of the band's existence, Blake Sennett and Jenny Lewis, as Zoledge says, it was clear to anybody listening that Lewis was the star. To me and Sanaz, Jenny wasn't just the star of Rilo Kiley. She became the North Star of pretty much all my taste in music after I heard Science vs. Romance for the first time when I was 13. All through high school and well into my now adult life, I still find myself intrinsically trusting anyone I know who also adores Jenny Lewis. When I'm at my lowest, when I'm feeling the least like myself, when I don't know whether to scream or cry or just sit catatonically, I still put Rilo Kiley on. And no matter what, while it's of course not some magical cure for depression or anxiety or sleep paralysis or insomnia, all of which I've dealt with at some point in my life largely due to help from Jenny Lewis, it always succeeds in the same way. It makes me feel less alone than I did before I put it on because I could relate to what she was singing about. And that was the thing about Jenny's music. It wasn't just sad. In being honest with whoever was listening about her sadness, she also gave herself the space to be honest with her listeners about her tribulations, her joys, the things that made her stand with arms outstretched and made her pick up a guitar or tambourine and yell about something that really pissed her off. She kicks off her most recent album, 2014's The Voyager, with Head Underwater, a track about picking yourself up, getting your shit together, and reminding yourself that when you're honest with yourself, you're still capable of finding magic in the world. In an article with Billboard in 2016, Jenny articulates how it's been great to bump into all these wonderful female artists when the first time they saw a woman singing and playing guitar was in Rilo Kiley. 
like Waxahachie frontwoman, frontwoman Katie Crutchfield, who not only sports a Rilo Kylie tattoo, but was also Lewis's opener when she first started touring around with her coat. She also talks about her vision for her record label, Love's Way, so named after her parents' Vegas lounge act and once floated as a potential name for what later became Rilo Kylie. She says she sees the label as an opportunity for different female artists to come together. Over the course of the rest of this podcast, however long it may live, I want to tell stories about the music that makes us who we are. And within that, the things that are sometimes ugly and anxiety-inducing and joyful, and especially what all that's like when you're a woman. It's probably worth mentioning at this point that I truly have no technical musical knowledge whatsoever, so definitely don't take me as an authority on any technical stuff. What I do have, though, is 25 years worth of tackling a pretty broad assortment of mental health issues and a hell of a lot of stories about listening to music, talking to other people about music, going to live shows and hearing artists talk about music, and how all that plays a part in feeling more connected. In forthcoming episodes, which hopefully will come out at least once a month, we'll hear a little more about the music that's shaped my life and the lives of people I know, as well as dig in deeper to a few different artists and genres to kind of, you know, show how so much music speaks to something universal, regardless of where it comes from. So, yeah. Sad Girl Jams is Lana Del Rey just as much as it's Jenny Lewis. It's Susie and the Banshees and Fleetwood Mac in equal measure. It's Pat Benatar and Paramore, Natalie Cole and Natalie Imbruglia. It's when you've got something in you that needs to find its way out, and when nothing else is cutting it, it's putting on something that sounds like the inside of your head and your heart and making it into something sometimes beautiful, sometimes flawed, but always true. It's about music, it's about feminism, and it's about talking about your feelings when it isn't cool. In fact, it's telling the idea of what's cool to go fuck itself. If there's one final thing I can distill this whole podcast down to, it's just to own your weird shit and be good to other people. If you like what you've heard today, please keep in touch. You can hear the songs mentioned in this episode, as well as a few others that fit with the theme of this episode and a few of my favorite new releases, for good measure, by tuning into our Spotify playlist, Sad Girl Jams Soundtrack. I'm going to keep adding to the playlist with each episode, so don't be too weirded out when you see that it's currently kind of brief. If you're looking for more to listen to, though, there are three Sad Girl Jams Presents podcasts out there. The most recent one celebrating Black women in music since I'm recording this in February, aka Black History Month. You can find the playlist by searching Sad Girl Jams Soundtrack on Spotify tied to the user Lauren Gardner, that's me, or by clicking the link in our Instagram bio. Find and follow us on Instagram at sadgirljams. There's a lot more regular content there to fill in the space between episodes. You can also grab all this info in the episode bio, where you can also find a link to the Pitchfork and Billboard articles I referenced earlier. Okay, (laughs) that really is all. Till next time. Thanks for listening, and remember, stay kind and own your weird shit.